Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome. Hebrews 
the ninth chapter, the sixteenth verse, and as well as the seventeenth verse. Hebrews nine, sixteenth and seventeenth verses. Is it found? Shall we read it together? For is for where a testament is. There must, also, there must also of necessity be the death of the tester. Testator. Testator. All right. Amen. Testator. For a statement is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Or as we bow heads, the gracious Heavenly Father, we are reporting for duty this morning. May you be gracious unto us and may you undertake for us this morning. We pray for every brother and every sister this morning that are here. And even those that may be at home listening, dear God, via the streaming, may you just bring a blessing upon them, dear God. If there are battles that are raging in their lives, may those battles be won. If there are sicknesses that may have struck them, may they be healed. If there are problems that may be there, may they be resolved. Whatever it is there that may have been put by Satan, move it outside, dear God, so that your children could move forward as a great marching army, especially in this closing hour. It is a very dangerous time, as Paul once said, the previous time shall come, and here we are in the end time, we see previous times where things have gone to the extreme. Even Satan has gone to the extreme, and our expectation is that even you, God, must go to the extreme, because this is the battle of extremes. Dear God, as we have read the scripture, may you anoint the speaker this morning that what is going to be spoken, let it not be the manufacturing of the thoughts of men, may it be the operation of the Holy Ghost. May there be such a shift at the end of the service so that people can, dear God, migrate to greater heights and say, it is by grace now I see it clearer. If the vision was foggy, if the mind was foggy, may you bring that clarity, dear God. We bind every demon in the name of Jesus Christ because we have an authority to do so. Satan, we are not intimidated by you in any way. You belong right under our feet. You are a liar. You are a destroyer. Dear God, you have given us the authority over Satan. The church should never be afraid, especially in the end time, dear God. This earlier church, the earlier believers were able to be thrown into the fire. They came out alive. They were thrown into the lion's dance. They came out alive. 
And even in the end time, no matter what we go through, we're going to come out of it alive. This is the time, dear God, where we need to bring a showdown to Satan. Uh, because we can't retreat anymore. We've got to know who we are. We've got to know what we stand for this morning as we are reporting for duty, dear God. May you build such a faith in every individual this morning so that, dear God, they can be able to stand and say, Satan, you are a liar. I have an authority. I may not be a preacher. I may not be a renowned minister, but I have a, a scriptural authority to bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. Satan, we are binding you unapologetically so because you, are, you cannot do whatever you want to do. We declare this ground to be the holy ground. We declare this zone to be the Holy Ghost zone. We declare this zone to be a blessing zone. Anything that is hovering over here that does not belong to God at this point in time, we cast it out in the name of Jesus Christ and we declare this zone to be demon free. Dear God, we understand what we are doing. We understand that you are an army and we understand who we are. We appreciate everything as we report for duty in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. As you take your seats for a few minutes, Amen. Uh, traveled very well to the Eastern Cape for the burial service of Brother Babes and Sister Eunice, and we appreciated the traveling mercy and your prayers. Amen. Uh, while I was there, I spoke to, I think it, it was Brother Beckett mentioned something and say the world is moving into a hypocritical state. Uh, he mentioned that he, we're just fellowshipping how the world is now driven by profits uh, rather than by principles. Amen. The reason we spoke like that is because Somewhat, when it comes to the churches, the regulations are strict. But when it comes to restaurants, the regulations are relaxed. We're on a flight. The flight was full to capacity. Full to capacity. No problem about it. I mean, those that just flew in, like Sister Moyo would know, full to capacity as long as you are putting on a mask. So I was expecting that if we really take COVID-19 seriously, the way the world is taking it, shouldn't there be a space in between? Come on, believers. If we are three, if we, there are three seats, the one in the middle, it must be vacant so that we maintain social... Amen. On the planes, it does not apply. We're full to, cap full to capacity. Then I realize, I say, okay, Satan is busy with something here. Come on, folks. Maybe Donald Trump has got merit to say, we have to, yes, we have to comply, but we have to be suspicious. And say, it must, they, they must not push the envelope. Are, are you with me? Uh, are you with me? Uh, amen. 
But uh, may God be gracious to us. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not uh, there uh, with the politics of the pharmaceutical industry and the government. We are the children of God. Amen. Amen. But uh, the church must rise. I say the church must rise. Uh, imagine during that time they say, unless you bow down to this image of the beast, unless you bow down to this image, uh, it was during the time of Nebuchadnezzar. If you don't bow down to it, you will be killed. Now, imagine the Hebrew children had they decided that, look, it's not a big deal if we just go there and knee and kneel a bit. Would have they have made it into Hebrews 11? It took, it took a certain degree of resistance. And see, they said, even if we are thrown into the fire and our God doesn't deliver us, we will not bow down to... Are you here, people? We will not bow down to this image. Are you with me? We are not saying, God, God, because we worship you, you must save. They say, even if it does not save us, even if it doesn't save us, but we will not bow down to this image. What about Daniel when he was thrown into the lion's dens? I think many people must have come and said, but we need to be careful. But Daniel said, I know who I am. Based on the scripture, there is a God and is a living God that I'm worshipping. I'm going to go into the lion's den. But today, in the end time, the church is docile. Docility means you, they've resigned themselves and say, let fate take over. I say we need not to resign ourselves to fate. We need to be the architect of faith and say we are the children of God. Are you with me? Satan is easy to make laws and we readily accept the laws of Satan. But there are God's laws that we must enforce on Satan. Does somebody know what I'm talking about? Amen. Now, I want to speak about the enforcement of a testament the enforcement of a testament. And while speaking about a testament, it would refer in modern language, a will. If you die without a will, they regard you as being, you as having died in state, in state, interstate, interstate, amen. Bear with me. Interstate. Amen. That's when you die without, without a will. Now, before the person that has drafted a will, a testator, ne? before the testator dies, the testator's uh, will or property or the will becomes a private property. So that means once a testator has drafted a will, uh, no one is privy of that will. You cannot access that will. It becomes a private property unless the testator 
divulge the information to you. If it is not divulged, it remains a private property. Now, then when he has died, then there are people that are going to be entitled to a copy of a will. And in this case, it will be the people that are mentioned in the will. So if you are not mentioned in the will, it is of no necessity that you should be told about the details of the will. And as long as the, the person that has drafted the will or the will owner is still alive, the, uh, the will is null and void. So you, you cannot go and say, uh, Mommy, Dad, you put the car that it belongs to me it is in the will, I need it now. As long as they are alive, you've got no legal right to claim it. Are you with me? You only claim it post their death. Are you still? Because it becomes part of your inheritance. How will you know that you have been named in the will? You will know you are named in because the executor will provide you with a copy uh, as soon as the owner of the will has demised, and the executor will come and read the will to the people that are mentioned in the will. Now, in the movie scenarios, you would find that they would have a family post the funeral and begin to count that you, uh, they have left the house for you, you, they have left a car for you, you, they just left a teddy bear for you and somebody gets a disappointment during the reading of the will. Are you with me? But once the will has specified a certain property to be yours, it can never be contested because a will is a legal binding document that can be enforced by a law. So that means if a father has left a house and say it is yours, your siblings, no matter what noise they can make, they can never change their mind they cannot change the will because the person that is responsible for the will is no more. Now, a lot of times when a person has properties and they die without the will, then it ushers the entire family into bickering, squabbling, fighting. We have seen in instances where even siblings become son enemies because they are fighting over the property of the late parent. Have you seen such? Yes. Are you still with me? Yes. Now, the, when the will is about to be read, it creates a panic. It creates anxiety because it is during the will, when the will is being read, where you understand what you represented in the life of the departed. Amen. Are you with me? Yes. Uh, I mean, in no way, if, uh, I don't know, in my case, if I come and the will has been read, but my brother has been given a house and I'm being given a teddy bear, no matter the sentimental value that is being carried by a teddy bear, I will be very much upset. Uh, come on, you know what I'm talking about. It is during the allocation of assets where you understand what you represented. Some women, they got to the shock of their lives when men died they only discovered that the whole property, he has left it to his own brother. Oh, I don't want to cause marital squabbles. I'm in the minister of the gospel. 
I'm just giving these things in the natural. Are you still with me? Now, the poor woman would ask herself, I lived with this man for the rest of his life. I supported him. I was there for him. Now, the whole property is now being managed by a brother. And a brother begins to treat the the wife of the late brother as an enemy and as a son enemy. And the children of the late brother suffers and while the brother is living a fleshy life. I'm talking about the realities of life. Are you still with me? Now, but however, when the will is being read and you hear your name being mentioned as assets are being allocated and certain important assets are being given and your name is attached to those assets, you are beginning to have a jubilee. Are you still with me? Yes, your morning is gone, but now you are sort of comforted to say, I have something that will remind me of them and what I represented in them. Are you still with me? Now, what is happening this morning as we are gathered in this manner in this church, the reason we have gathered in this manner is because we are here to read out the contents of a testament to tell you what is your illegal entitlement of what your Savior has left behind. Are you here? And, and that is why Romans 10 verse 15 says, How shall they preach except they be sent? And as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And this morning I am bringing good things. Uh, can somebody say amen to that? I say this morning I'm bringing good things. We're going to unpack the testament and check Things that belong to you. Things that you've got the legal right to have a claim over. Remember, even if your dad had borrowed a man a car while he's still alive, as soon as he dies and the will says the car is yours, you're going to go and retrieve the car. Because what's happening, it is no longer his, it is yours according to the will. And if he refuses with the car, are you going to be satisfied? Ah, but my father borrowed him a car. No, you're going to uh, activate the, law, the courts. You're going to activate the law to enforce the will. And say, that's my property. Uh, are you still with me? And this morning, there are certain blessings that God has for you that have got your name attached to them. And Satan stole those blessings. You are not going to sit back and be satisfied. You've got to push back and say, Satan, you are a liar. Satan, I need to claim what is mine. Are you still with me? This is mine. I've got the legal right to say this is mine. And the Holy Ghost is the enforcer. I say the Holy Ghost is the enforcer. This morning as we are reading the contents of the testament, the Holy Ghost is in the building. And when you say amen to that and acknowledge it to be yours and and want to claim it, he's available to enforce it. Uh, The Holy Ghost is in the building to enforce your heart's desire as long as they are within the parameters of the weight. Are you still with me? Then it says in the message, the token, paragraph 53. It says, now you you are his. Hallelujah. And now you are his. 
Oh, because he is. We have the right to all that he has purchased for us. Folks, not half of it. All of it. Don't leave anything on the table. Take everything that you are entitled to. Every promise in the Bible is... Ah, brother. Every... Every promise from Genesis to Revelation this morning is yours. You. It belongs to you. When this token is upon you and God has sealed you. Now we want to check ourselves just for a moment. When God has given you the true baptism of the Holy Spirit, then the life of Jesus Christ is within you. Now, that's true. Every theologian will have to admit, ad, to admit that to be. Yes, is the new birth. You are born anew of the Holy Ghost. And because that God has done this, and you know you are no good in yourself, and you accept what God has done, then he seals you into his kingdom by the Holy Spirit. And everything that Jesus purchased and promised you in the Bible is yours. It's your property because it's paid for. Amen. Come on, believers. Amen. Greater works shall ye do. Yes. Did he not promise that? Amen. Today, tonight, this morning, we've got, a, we've got the legal right. Amen. Amen. Life is mine. He paid for it. Amen. Brother, a doctor has got the right to do a diagnosis, but not to give a prognosis. He can tell you that you are sick, but he can never tell you how many days you are left with. Are you still with me? When the doctor says by next week, next year, you will not be around. Look him in the eye and say, doctor, life is mine. Life is mine. Why? He paid for it. Uh, folks, especially as we are going through this pandemic, life is mine. Life is mine. He paid for it. And this is not just a lip service. I've got the legal right to enforce it and say, David, life is mine. You know, what I like is that sometimes demons are able to hear a preacher more than the people in church are able to hear a preacher. And a demon that is ravaging your body can hear me, even if you don't hear me. Life is yours. He paid for it. Healing is mine. Amen. Folks, I'm, I'm reading a will here. Yes. Uh, hallelujah. Yes. He died, therefore the will can be enforced. Amen. 
it has come into effect. Healing is yours. Oh, Brother Mariva, the symptoms became severe last night. I don't care about symptoms. I don't care about symptoms. I don't care about the doctor's report. I don't care about the specialist report. But there is a report that I care about. Healing is yours. Oh, folks, are you here this morning? I say healing is yours. And if I'm a father, I'll say healing is not only mine. It is mine and my family. If I'm the mother, I'll say healing is mine. It's mine as well as for my children. Brother Brim say, if you've got enough faith to save yourself, it is enough to save the whole family. Come on, church. Are you here this morning? Healing is yours. I'm trying to remove the spirit of fear that is gripping the people in the end time. Healing is yours. Why? He paid for it. When a ticket, when you have paid for an, uh, maybe it's a flight ticket, you've got what we call maybe a ticket that will be printed. When you go to the airport, you're not asking a permission to be on the flight. No. You got there, you show the security. I've got a seat on that flight. You come through the terminal, you show whoever is there, say, here is my boarding pass. No one can challenge you because you've got the token. It is not the money, but it's a representation that the seat has been paid for. And this morning, the Holy Ghost is the token that everything that he died for, you've got it. It's yours. Folks, tell me, if you've got a, a bus ticket and you get to a bus and somebody tells you that you can't get onto the bus, what are you going to do? Are you going to turn back and go home? No, even if you are a Christian, you're going to be dramatic. There's going to be a bit of drama. That's my money. I paid for it. And if somebody is sitting on your seat, you say, excuse me. I like it on the flight. Sometimes you get to there, somebody's already taken the window. And if you, your ticket says you belong to the seat next to the window, it doesn't matter how big a guy is. You just get there and say, excuse me. This is my seat number. He's got to move. No matter how small you are, the big guy has got to move because you've got the token to move him. If it applies naturally, it applies spiritually. If Satan, if Satan this morning is on a certain place where you've got to be, then produce the token and say, Satan, move from here. Enforce the token and say, move from here, you're a squatter. And you've got a little right to do so. He will move away. But here is a problem with believers. Every time when we are met with a small resistance, we retreat. And resign ourselves to being bewitched. You are not being bewitched. You are a weak Christian. Oh, come on. I'm saying that. Sometimes you are not bewitched. You are just a weak Christian. That accept whatever Satan does their way. But sometimes you must have a certain degree of agitation and say, I'm going to be as dramatic as I can be. 
I'm going to make sure that things fall apart until I get what is mine. If it takes me, if it takes me to break the protocol, I'm going to break a protocol. If it takes me to make a noise, I'm going to make a noise. I will do whatever it takes to get what is mine. If it makes me look uncultured, let it be so. But I'm going to get what belongs to mine. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody is robbing you and when you become upset, it says, no, you embarrass yourself. To enforce you to behave in a certain way, you will no, sir. If we are embarrassed, you know, you know, the blind Bartimaeus, when he knew he was coming, he said, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the people that say, You are making noise. Oh, brother, he increased the noise. Son of David, have mercy on me. They say you are uncultured. They say I'm going to go even higher. Son of David, have mercy on me. It's because he knew that he's got the legal right to a healing. Come on, church people. But cultured people will say you are making a noise. I say if they say you are making noise, make it much higher. You are the one that is suffering. You are the one that is going through a trial. You are the one that knows the pain that you are going through. Your neighbor doesn't know. Your wife doesn't know. Your husband doesn't know. You know. And you are about time to cry out and say, Have mercy on me. Son of man, have mercy on me. And your wife says, You're embarrassing me. So you don't know. I'm in the presence of God. Like Hannah of the old, I'm going to cry out and say, God, help me. And God will come in real time to intervene in your situation. The problem we are too much of gentlemen and ladies when Satan is going on the rampage. But today I say, let us lose the church maker. And say, son of man, have mercy on me. I need that healing. I'm not going out. I need that healing. I need that salvation. Because it is mine. Are you here, church, this morning? Freedom is mine. Freedom is mine. Freedom from what? From fear. Freedom from what? From superstition. Freedom from what? From doubts. Freedom from what? From the grip of Satan. Freedom from everything that upsets my peace. I'm declaring your freedom here. Freedom is mine. Brother, have you ever seen a free woman and a free man? They don't care. They know that I'm free. People are bound today by national spirits. People are bound by family spirits. People are bound by church spirits. People are bound by tribal spirits. Many spirits. But this morning I'm here reading out a will. Freedom is yours. Oh, brother. The scripture says where the spirit of God is, there is liberty. And I'm pronouncing liberty over your life. You have been bound for far too long. 
But today I'm reading out from the will and we are enforcing the will. Freedom is yours. Freedom from what? From demonic attacks. From sugar diabetes. From high blood pressure. From depression. From any sort of demonic attack. You are free this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are free. Hallelujah. Can somebody say amen to that? Can somebody say, that's mine. He paid for it. Freedom is yours. I can hear the chains. I've been broken. This money. In the name of Jesus Christ. Demonic forces have been dismantled. This morning. Because freedom is mine. Free from every any form of bondage. I am free. He paid for it. Oh, brother. Heaven. Heaven. Is mine. (laughs) Brother. Guys, do you hear what I say? Heaven. Not earth. Heaven is higher than earth. Heaven. Is. Not God's. Heaven. After I've read this. Which demon is going to keep out of heaven? After you have heard this, which demon is going to keep you out of heaven? Don't pretend. Some of you, Satan told you, you are unworthy of heaven. Even if you get there, they won't accept you. You of all the people, but today, tell him. Ah, the wheel is being read. And heaven, I'm not going there as a visitor. I'm not going there as a visitor. I'm going there under the ownership because heaven is mine. Ah, this morning, it makes me feel good to preach to the heaven owners. Heaven owners. If I own my house, how are you going to stop me from getting into it? Heaven is yours. He paid for it. He has paid the price. Everything he purchased belongs to the man that holds the token. Every alas mente. Everything. Everything. We aren't leaving anything on the table. Everything that he purchased is ours. Brother, bring Deuteronomy 11. Verse 24. Let's read it together. Brother Bram says the journey of the church symbolized the journey, the journey of the Israelites symbolized the journey of the church. 
Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. Do you hear? If, if you are being told that everywhere you step on, step on the ground, every ground that you step on is yours, do you think the devil is going to allow it? He's going to put no entry. And when you get there and there is no entry, are you going to turn back? No. Every place where on the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness and Lebanon. From the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea shall your, shall your coast be. You know, the properties around the seaside is very expensive. But here it says it will be yours. The natural types, the spiritual, there must never be a blessing that Satan deems to be too prestigious for you. You must never come to a point and say, ah, this one, ah, this one, it belongs only to the pastor. No. The land is yours. Wherever your soul, the souls of your feet shall be upon, that ground is yours. What are you going to do? Are you going to stand in the corner? You've got to move around. You've got to walk the land. You have to cover the, the length and the breadth of the land. Because wherever you step on, it's yours. They shall, they shall, they shall, no, they shall no man be able to stand before you. For the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that he shall tread upon. Your name shall be mentioned and people will just be scared. Your name. You walk into a room, people start saying, what can we do for you, sir? Because why? The Lord is laying fear upon the people before you arrive where they are. Has it ever happened to you? Where somebody told you that the way you speak, the way you do things, I realize that something is different about you. As he has said unto you. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. The choice is yours. There is a blessing, there is a curse. What are you going to choose? It's up to you. Here are the conditions. A blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, now, if you have obeyed the commandments of the Lord, then you are entitled to a blessing. Yes, 
Are you with me? But if you have not obeyed the commandments of the Lord, you cannot claim a blessing. This claiming has got some conditions. One of the conditions is the obedience to the commandments of the Lord. But imagine, if you have obeyed everything that the Lord God has told you, then you must not rest until you get your blessing. Because the blessing is yours. And wherever you walk on, that ground is yours. Ah, this gives me some goosebumps. Let's carry on. And a curse. If you will not obey the commandments of the Lord, you are gone. But turn aside out of the way which I command you this day. To go after other gods. Which you have not known. There will be other gods that will distract you. And God says, if you turn and begin to be obedient to those gods, a curse will come upon you. But if you refuse to obey those gods and you obey the Lord, a blessing will come your way. Brother Bring possessing the enemy's gaze. Paragraph 38. He says, There stands the church of the living God. There you stand this morning. There stands the church of the living God. I don't care what anybody else says, what the doctor says, what anything, what the unbeliever says. We can more, we can more than emerge for anything that comes along. We are Abraham's seed, and we shall possess the gate of our enemy. No matter what the enemy is. <laughs> Brother, it doesn't matter what the enemy is, we will possess the gate of the enemy. And why is the enemy standing on the gate? It's no entry because if you walk in, you're going to possess. We are, then it says, God gave the promise. That was theirs, their possession. Paragraph 39. Healing is your possession. Healing is your possession. And somebody in the building says, but I'm not sick. Sometimes the sermon either helps you where you are or prepares you where you are going. How many know what I'm talking about? How many of you down the line, maybe after five years, as someone rang and said, it was preached in such a year, God was preparing you. I say, healing is your possession. So therefore, I don't care what diagnosis are laying down the road called life. 
When you get to those diagnoses, healing is yours. It's your possession. Salvation is your possession. The Holy Ghost is your possession. Hallelujah. There is great thousands of preachers and so forth in the land today that says that's not so. But the seed of Abraham knows it's so. As we are talking to somebody, say, it's a distant memory. Brother Mariba, what are you talking about? The days of miracles are over. But the seed of Abraham say, the days of the miracles are back with us again. They wait right in and possess the gates of the enemy. Amen. Amen. Let's go to future home of the heavenly bridegroom and the earthly bride. Paragraph 180. Prophet says, what does it mean? This after he had spoken about Lazarus who was thrown into the tomb and was called back to life. And Jesus said to them, loosen him. And after they loosed him, then Brother Bim said, what does it mean? The earth will be loosed from the grip of Satan. It will be loosed. It will be loosed from politics. It will be loosed from denominational religious systems to be used for the kingdom of God, to be established each year on the earth. But as long as it's in the hands of Satan, politics, Satan, the ruler of the earth, he owns it. It belonged to him. Listen to how he puts it. It belonged to him. Past tense. It belonged to him. But now, Christ has redeemed it. Now check, the reason he's talking about the earth, remember your body is part of the earth. Do you remember? Now it says, but Christ has redeemed it. Paragraph 181. One time I was his property, but not now. This is William Branham. He says, one time I was his property. But after the wheel was read, because we sat in the, right in the beginning, I am his. Then it says, one time I was his property, but not now. <laughs> one time that little woman was his property, but not now. One time that young man was his property, but not now. One time this church was his property, but not now. One time your marriage was his property, but not now. One time your children were his property, but not now. One time your finances were his property, but not now. One time your health was his property, but not now. Oh, folks, right now you need to say to Satan, not now. It may have been the case then, but not now. Because the will has been read. Hallelujah. One time that little woman was his property, but not now. 
He came to lose the grip of it. He loosened the grip of sin of Satan upon my life and upon your life. And now we are no longer his. Oh, Satan, I've got a news for you. We are no longer yours. Aye, are you here? We are no longer yours. The devil has got no legal claim over us. We are no longer ours. You are no longer ours. We are not your property anymore. Come on, young girl, listen to me. Don't go back to that old Satan. Tell that devil, I want was your property. But the minister of the gospel this morning said, no longer the case. No longer the case. And he says, have you heard, often heard me say in prayer, take your hands, take your hands off of God's property. Hallelujah. Now it was William Brennan, but today is us. A father can say, Satan, get your hands off my family. They are not your property. They are God's property. Or maybe you don't believe it, but I'm going to say it for you. Satan, one time, these people were your property. You had them under the grave. But your grief has been loosened by the message of the hour. And right now, right now, as a minister of the gospel, I say to you, Satan, put your hands off these people. They are not your property. They are God's property. Come on, church. Are you here in the building? As a young woman, Satan got hold of you. But today, we are letting off the grief. We are loosening the grief. Satan, get your hands off her. She's not your property. She's God's property. Come on, young man. Satan got a hold of you. But not today. I said not today. Under the authority of the word of God, not today. Satan, let go. Satan, let go. Hallelujah. Do you understand who we are? We are reading a weed. We are reading a weed. Take your hands of God's property. Amen. And it says, that's your right. Take your hands off him. Take your hands off him. Faith will do it. Oh, this morning, somebody may be feeling low in the spirit. Somebody may be discouraged. Somebody may be feeling, I don't have faith. Right now, it's no longer your faith. We are coming to your situation and we are speaking on your behalf. Hallelujah. Are you here, church? Are there prayer warriors in the building? What's the work of It was your battle. But this morning is no longer your battle. We are taking over your battle. Hallelujah. Are you here, church? We are not going to lose any one of you. I said we are not going to lose any one of you. Either to the world or to Satan or to demons or to a disease. We are claiming every one of you. Hallelujah. Corona will never take you. Corona is a cheap demon. And I bind Corona right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. Come on church, are you here? 
the Holy Ghost is in the building, she enforces our rights. You are sitting there saying, what are you talking about? You are a doctor. I'm higher than a doctor this morning. Your father went through so many diseases. But here you are. Who saved you when you were in your father's loins? And you moved from your grandfather to your another great-grandfather. Who saved you? I said, who saved you? There were wars you are here. Who saved your grandfather? For you to come in time this time. God, for 6,000 years, protected your seed from generation to generation. What is Corona? What is Corona? What is Corona? Hallelujah. Folks, as we are coming, yes, we've got to adhere to the health protocol, but we must not forget who we are until a demon becomes a giant in a church and we are afraid of a demon, we tiptoe around the demon. It's a demon. And in the name of Jesus Christ, you have the authority to bind that demon. Hallelujah. Whatever, whatever, whatever you bind here shall be bound. Is Corona an exception? Did they say everything else except Corona? Devil, you are a liar. I said, devil, you are a liar. We bind cancer this morning. We bind sugar diabetes this morning. We bind corona this morning. We bind every disease this morning. Heaven follow suit. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is in the building and can touch you right now because you are no longer the devil's property. You are God's property. Hallelujah. Satan came in a very sly manner in the end time and said, I will put a stop on everything, including the church. Airlines are up, running. Trump is holding rallies. Church is afraid. Yeah. Uh, we cooperated until uh, to a point. Amen. You know, it can be a fool up to a point. Yeah. And there comes a time and say, I've been fool enough, but I, now I know. Yeah. And right now we say, now we know. Yeah. Now we know. Yeah. If we die, we'll resurrect again. Yeah. Eternal life is mine. Eternal life is mine. Resurrection is mine. Everything that he died for is mine. And who are the people that can put a challenge? Goliath has been running a mock for 40 days and 40 nights. And said, give me a man. The whole army is trembling. Saul has disappeared. Give me a man. There must be a David that was in the wilderness that destroyed the lion and the bear and say, I am the man. Corona has been saying, give me a man. America, give me a man. China, give me a man. 
Europe, give me a man. Africa, give me a man. The message of the hour will produce the David. Hallelujah. We will march to the enemy. With what? Not with medical armament. No, just a stone. In a slingshot. Five stones. Representing Jesus. Representing grace. And we are marching towards it. And say, you have been insulting the army of God. But right now we are coming against you. Hallelujah. As we begin to swing. As we begin to swing. God is taking care of our sin. And the stones are being released. This giant will come down in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you believe the gospel? Do you believe the gospel? This is a time of a showdown. We have preached, but it's a time of manifestation. Oh, we can't do much. What? Who said so? A demo. Ah, brother. Me against Hamuk. With this demon, I am tired. I say I'm tired. I was with Brother Beckett. He's in his 70s. He took off his mask and said, Pastor, I'm tired of this mask. If God takes me, let him take me, but I'm tired. We are tired of this demon. If we perish, we perish, but we are tired. I'm provoking a whole indignation. Have you ever run away from somebody until you got tired? That's what I have ran. Day after day, week after week, month after night. Let him now find me. And even call him and say, come and meet me. And he wonders what happened because you have been running. That's exactly what we are doing with this demon. We have run behind the mask. We have run in isolation. But now if you take us, come out. We are ready for a war. That gloves are off. I said the gloves are off. Are you here, army of God? The gloves are off. Let me tell you what happened. Last week, I had planned that my children were going to come into church. The young Matlabi, let's say, how old is this? How old? Four. I told him the other week, I said, he came to me and said, hey, where's Bunol? Then I said, no, she will be here next week, which was the last Sunday. Then we decided that, ah, maybe the children must not go. Just to create space. I came here, I preached. After I preached, I greeted you. I came into the office, saw a few brothers, I was sitting. All of a sudden, walks this small boy into my office. Then he says, Where's Bunol? <laughs> we need to have a family meeting while your son is looking for my daughter. <laughs> Where is Bunol? Then I said, no, she's not here. She's going to be here next week. 
says, if she's not here next week, I'm going to see you don't keep your promises. <laughs> yes, the, during the week I say, but no, no. No matter what goes or comes. Sunday, on Sunday, we are going to church. You see, Corona wanted to turn me into a lie. I phoned the parents, I said, tell that young man I apologize. Bunolo will be in church and Bunolo is in church. Corona could not stop it. I said, Corona could not stop it. What makes a four-year-old child to come to a pastor and say, you must keep your promise? It was not a four-year-old child. It was the Holy Ghost that said, your children must come to church. Do you see what God can do? In simplicity. Let's cooperate, but up to a point. Up to a point. They tell you not to gather, but your politicians, they party the whole night without masks. Restaurants. Hasn't Port Elizabeth walked Restaurants are packed. No mask. I said, oh, these laws are for a church. Well, somebody said, hey, the numbers are rising. They were high. None of you got affected because of the token. The same God that protects us during this first wave, he will protect us during the second, during the third. Amen. Brother, bring the revelation, the book of Revelation, the spoken word, paragraph 159. We came to us closing. We are having a good time. A kinsman redeemer. Revelation chapter 5, verse 159. It reads in this manner. Now our kinsman is handed to the seven sealed book of redemption from the original owner. The original owner. He emphasizes that. When we lost it at the Garden of Eden through Adam, it went back to the original owner. But there has been a poacher on the land, a squatter. That's Satan. He comes over. He is a poacher, a squatter. Hmm? Imagine a squatter over your blessing. I've given an example many a times. I say, if you return back to your house this afternoon, and then when you get there, you find a hive of activity, of people going up and down, music blaring through the speakers and people rejoicing, and you don't recognize these people, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> Folks, I think there's a brother in church, I won't mention his name, he told me some, somebody, 
drove or cut off in front of him. And the brother was surprised. Now the man thought this man wants to retaliate, so he followed him. Now, as he followed him, now, when a person is following you because of a road rage, you don't know whether they've got a gun. But now you are a man of the family. Where are you going to run to? Where are you going to run to? Yeah? Home. Oh. This man, they said they won't run home. Where are you going to run to? You run home. You drive home. Now, but if somebody is following you until you get home and you realize this person is really coming to home, where else are you going to run to? No way of escape. You are at the gate and it's coming. You can't turn and go to the police station. I'm simply saying there are times where you run and you realize I can't run anymore. If I die, I die. That's when you get out of the car and say, is there a problem? Huh? Are you with me? Because your home, your come on folks. If you say now you remind me of a, a brother. Uh, he was telling me, he came with the wife, and now the wife was telling me that people came to the house. And these people, hey, Pastor, I was very scared when they came, and I, knew, I wondered what I was going to do. Then the husband is sitting there. Then the times that they're mentioning, I'm wondering, where could the husband have been? Then I looked at the husband, the wife understood immediately where I was going. Then the wife said, no, he ran away. (laughs) You ran out of your house and left the wife. (laughs) Then I realized that we have a bigger problem than the one that they were telling me about. You can't run out of your house. As a man, you can't run. Yeah, another young man told me, say, hey, I'm married, Pastor, but what makes me nervous, the day somebody knocks, and it's me that's supposed to open at the road clock. I don't know. I've not done that, but I'll see. No. When you are a man, and there is a danger that is being posted to your house, you don't run. There comes a time where you say to the thugs, you rather now kill me. You know, when thugs have broken into your house, they can take the DVD player, they can take the TV, they can take the car, but the moment they are beginning to go to your children and your wife, that's when you say, guys, I've cooperated the whole evening. If you kill me, you kill me, but now it's a showdown. Are you with me? Because why? Your home is your sacred place. It's your... It's where you feel protected. If somebody does something in your home, you feel very much invaded and really compromised. Are you with me? You can't run away from your home. So if you drive this afternoon, you get to your house and there is a party going on and people are going up, the first thing you're going to go, you budge in, get to where the music system is, you switch it off. And say, can I have your attention? Who are you? Leave my house. And they say to you, no, we won't leave. 
then that's when you can rush to the police station and produce a title deed and say, come and remove them. But why many times when a demon comes and resides in our environment, we even find the books on Google how to manage this demon. (laughs) 16 ways of how to deal with this, to live with this demon. Until you even find a herbal and you go around telling people that suffer from the same demon. Hey, me, I'm living with this for a long time. Ah, it's not even a problem. I use this. <laughs> Comfortable that the demon is there. Come to church with a demon. Go home with a demon. Come to a convention with a demon. Go back with a demon. Until the demon say, yeah, D is my black. I'm showing you what a squatter can do. Then it says, this earth don't belong to him, belongs to God. But he is a, a poacher, a squatter. Man, now I could say something right now, but I better know. Is the title deed of our redemption. This seven sealed book is the title deed. You wait till we get into those seals. He breaks the seals, reveals and gives us his inheritance to his people. He gives the inheritance that he inherited, becoming kinsman redeemer, and freely gives out to us. It all belonged to him. He was the one who redeemed. But instead of keeping it himself, he gives it back to the people. That's his love for us. That's why Brother Bram says, when Adam lost the title deed, an abstract title deed, he says the devil caused him to lose it, but it returned back to the original owner. But he says that book does not belong to the original owner. It belongs to the human race. Are you with me? The title deed. Now Brother Bram comes, he tells you that through the revelation, through the breaking of the seals, God will restore his inheritance to his own people. Now look, as we follow the seals. Now in the invisible union of the bride of Christ, paragraph 224, brother, he says now your name, remember, your name must be in the wheel. Ne? Your name must be in the wheel. If your name is not mentioned in the wheel, you are not invited to the reading of the wheel. And Brother Brenham says this seven-sealed book is a title deed. Are you still with me? Now, but he says in the Invisible Union of the Bride, paragraph 224, he says now, your name is now in the new book. Not the book of life, but the Lamb's book of life. What the Lamb redeemed. Not the old book of your natural union, but your new bride. Hallelujah. Your new life is in the Lamb's book of life, and the Lamb's book of life is the seal's book. Are you with me? Lamb's book of life is the sales book. The book of life is the seven church age book. Your name in the book of life can be blotted out. But your name in the Lamb's book of life, even if whatever goes wrong, your name will not be blotted out. Even God himself cannot blot it out. 
And when the seals were revealed, Brother Bram said, John, representing the bride, had his name being called. And as now, Brother Bram now say, your name is not in the book of life, it is in the Lamb's book of life. Then he came, Brother Brennan now, he takes it further. He says, your marriage certificate. The Lamb's book of life is a marriage certificate. And if it is a marriage certificate, I'm here to announce the conditions of that union. It was not entered into. There is no antinuptial contract. Where we say, we are getting married, but your, what is mine is mine. What is yours is It is in community of property. That means his glory is our glory. His power is our power. His revelation is our revelation. Whatever Christ owns this morning under the marriage certificate, which is the Lamb's book of life, which is the revelation of the sins, which has your name, it affirms that you own what he owns. Brethren, you know, if an irresponsible man was married but later starts running around with slave queens and then uh, the day he dies, ne? the day he dies, maybe the Range Rover was with another slave queen Another apartment was with another slave queen. And they all say, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. All the wife has got to do is to say, I am the wife. And they can say, we are the wives as well. But then it will be taken step higher. Let's meet on such and such a day. And you produce what? Hey, what's the one? That certificate is very important. Don't undermine it now. And sister, if you don't have it, make a plan to get it. It's very dangerous to be in a marriage without that certificate. Are you with me? Now, whoever produces the marriage certificate will be entitled to that man's property. Are you with me? In that case, it doesn't matter how beautiful a woman is. It doesn't matter her physique. It doesn't matter how eloquent. What is required is a document called a marriage certificate. It doesn't matter whether it says, no, by the time he died, he was no longer staying with her. He was now staying with me. We don't care. Produce marriage certificate. And when the marriage certificate is produced, it settles all the disputes. Now, take it now, the natural terms, the spiritual, and in this case, it doesn't mean Christ is irresponsible. It's not that he's just a, a, a wealthy man that every woman, church, would want to claim and say, that's my husband. Around the world, thousands and upon thousands of churches, they say, he's our husband. But here is a problem. Can they produce the marriage certificate? Where is the marriage certificate? Revelation 8 verse 1. When the, when the seventh seal 
was broken. There was silence in heaven for a space of half an hour. Revelation 10. Then I saw a mighty angel coming down with a book which was open. Then there in the days of the voice of the seven angels, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God shall be finished, should be finished, as he declares unto the servants. Now that mighty angel gives that book to the seventh angel. Now that book is a marriage certificate. It's found in Revelation 10. It doesn't matter how big and beautiful a church is. It doesn't matter how qualified its pastors are. It doesn't matter how many years they preach that they are the bride of Jesus Christ. Where is the document? Where is the proof? But this morning, with all the grace and the humility, I am preaching to a group that is a portion of a bigger group that received that merit certificate that came down in 1963 on Sunset Mountain. And that book was given to the seventh angel messenger. And we have that book. And if there is a dispute, ask anyone, what is the seventh seat? Even those that have left the message and say, hey, message, Tell them that, oh, since you found a new revelation, what is the seventh seal now? They will not answer that question. It only takes one man. As it was the case during the time of Daniel, when there was a handwriting on the wall, it took one man to interpret the handwriting. In the end time, it takes only one man to interpret the silence of the seventh seal, which was a handing over ceremony of a marriage certificate. He comes to the church. He said, before I preach, I no longer call you a church. I call you the bride. What was happening? Status change. Now we are coming into this holy union in community of property. Now you've got a title deed. You can enforce it. Brother, this is the last quotation. Is it the last? Okay, let's let's take the last quotation. The restoration of the bright tree. I'm going to jump that one so that I can release the people. Paragraph 88. The restoration of the bright tree. Think just the background, brother. Beck, uh, brother Neville had preached and had preached on to be restored. And brother Brim got excited, went home, looked for the Webster dictionary, and checked out what the way to restore means. It says is to return to the former owner or to bring back to the former estate of condition. And then he, brother Brenham begins to speak about what it meant. And it says, maybe let's go to paragraph 85. It says, like, if somebody stole some property and they are holding the property captive, then you can take the law and go to this person and the law forces, enforces this person 
to restore this property back to its original owner, to its liable first estate. Enforcement. Oh, what a text. And the prophecy, I would like to speak that for a while. Paragraph 88. Enforce. We are, we have the privilege to enforce. Brethren, it's a privilege to be given the legal right to enforce. Upon Satan, the claims that God gave us. For God has a law, and his weight is a law. And God in this weight made certain claims to the church. Therefore, we have a right to force these claims upon Satan and say, give it back. And he has, he has to do it. Because we can take God's agent, the Holy Spirit, go write it down on our knees and say, Is thou saith the Lord. He's got to give it up. That's all. Because the Holy Spirit is there to make him do it. The law of the land is to enforce is by the land for the land. But the law of the Spirit of God is to force Satan to give up that which he has unrightfully, deceitfully taken from God. Souls of men he took from God. Souls of women, children, sickness of the body he placed upon people where God made them in his image to be like him. And the church is given the rightful legal rights by the Bible to take the Holy Spirit and enforce this upon them. We have a right to claim every soul. We have a right to claim a health for everybody. We have a right to claim our children. We have a right to claim everything that he purchased because according to the testament which has come in full effect after his death and resurrection, he, the Holy Ghost, will enforce our legal rights. And this morning, as you go back home, if you are sick, we declare you healed. If you are bound, we declare you free. If you are sad, we declare you happy. If you have lost, we declare you restored. Whatever you need, we declare it your way, and we have a right to enforce it. God bless you, Rich Lichet. Amen. As we stand to our feet, just to wrap up. Brahmasuma, maybe I am redeemed. I am redeemed as we wrap up the service.
How many are redeemed this morning?
Just a worshiping song, Brother Ripari will come and just wrap up for us. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty. Yes, Father. Exactly. Yes. Yes. No, Bless you richly. Uh, I'm not sure, but I will send out the communication Wednesday. Uh, we, I've been asked to preach for uh, the Botswana Church or via the virtual platform. So we will circulate it's a, on a Zoom platform. We will circulate the details so that if you are free or you want to join it. The, they will confirm, I think it will be Wednesday and Friday. If not this week, next week. But the pastor said he would confirm with me after the service. So you are most welcome to join us virtually as we preach for Botswana. Uh, yesterday, 
I spent three hours with the uh, young people in Zimbabwe, virtually as well. No sitting thought you will bind us, but hey, we multiply. Amen. So we'll circulate the details. Have a blessed week. Satan was kicked by Michael in heaven. And wherever you see Satan during the week, give him a kick. God bless you. Till we meet, uh, have a blessed week. Amen. This song will back to you. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind. Victory today is mine. Victory is mine. Victory. Victory is today is mine. Oh, I told Satan. I told Satan. Get Victory is One more time. We sing victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told Satan, get me victory. Yes, yes, yes. Fill my way every day with love. Fill my way every day with love. As I walk with the heavenly love. Let me go. Let me go. Yes.
Yes, yes. In the sweet by and by, hallelujah. In the sweet. We shall meet on the beauty. Oh, in the sweet, we shall meet on the beauty. In the sweet, we shall meet on the beauty. Oh, in the sweet. Hallelujah. In Gumli Lolento, in Amanda Lento, Ivale Capagati, Gimi, in Gumli Lolento, in Amanda Lento, Ivale Capagati, in Gumli Time. I am a man. I am 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 